I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Darawal people. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And you can just have a conversation, you can tell them a story about a wine, and before you know it, they're, they're, you're having conversation and you're, you know, you're becoming friends almost. And that's what important customer service is, is, is acknowledging and treating someone like with respect, like, like you would an old friend. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Rory O'Carroll runs The Rural Cellars, an independent liquor store located in the idyllic suburb on the south coast of New South Wales. The Rural Cellars is more than just a bottle-o. It's a community hub that brings together those that seek the gourmet, a bit of luxury and the artisanal beverage. In truth, we need a heck more of these kinds of places in our neighbourhoods. Hi, Rory. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Shantae. Thank you. It's so nice to have you on the podcast to talk about the wonders that is the Rural Cellars. But I want to first find out a little bit about you. Take me back to your very first memory of wine. Well, I grew up in Ireland and my first memory of wine was um, sitting around the table with family when we do a special dinner with the good linen and the good plates and um it, you know we'd get a wine poured for us as kids like you know it was quite normal in, in europe when you're even when you're 14 that you would have maybe a half a glass of wine with, with your dinner um not every night but you know on a special occasion so that was my first introduction to, to wine and i don't even know what it was from memory it was it was kind of light and slightly sweet so I, you know, in Ireland, those times you could probably only get really French or Spanish wines are probably the most popular. So I'm imagining it may have been, I don't know, it could have even been a Lombrusco for all I know. Yeah, right. Do you remember liking it or going, Ugh, what's this crap? No, I remember liking it because I, I remember it was, it was just slightly sweet. So... Yeah, I remember liking it. Yeah, the mind boggles now, doesn't it? Now you really want to know what it was. It does. And I would really like to know what, what it was. I'm sure my mum would not remember. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Tell me a little bit about how you came to find yourself in Australia. Well, I, I followed my girlfriend out because um, we, we spent three years living in Ireland, in Dublin. And I wasn't in the hospitality scene at that stage. I was um, in the theatre scene funnily enough. And um, so we'd met in Australia. We Actually, we'd met in England and she came to Ireland for three years and then she went back to Australia and I followed her back about six months after. So back in 1998. So I've been, I've been actually been worked it out. I've been here longer than I was in Ireland. Pretty much an Australian now. No way. You don't sound Australian at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can put it on. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So, what it, where where would you where did you move when you first came came over to Australia, and what were your first impressions? Yeah, so I had spent six months um, prior to that, back in '94, out here, um, and then when I actually did come out to emigrate, we um, we lived in Darlinghurst. Funnily enough, um, I was still in a theatre game, working at um, Sydney Opera House, and. At night time, we just work in, in, in a couple of bars. We, we used to work at Garage Cellars, which is now, I believe, is Camperdown took it over, Camperdown Cellars. We used, back then, it used to be called Garage Cellars. So we, we used to work there. I used to work there at night, and so did Jackie, my wife. Um, and that's kind of where the bottle shop thing started for us, really, 
was working at Garage Cellars. And we've even got some old props from that place that we got when, when they closed down that are now sitting pride in place in, in the rural cellars. Um, so, yeah, so that was our first introduction to actual liquor store. Prior to that, obviously, I'd worked in pubs. And, you know, for a short period of my life when I was a kid, my parents owned a pub. So I suppose it's always been around booze, really. Um, but, yeah, so that was the start of the bottle shop thing and introduction into wine. Um, and then we kind of moved. We stayed in Darlinghurst for maybe three years, I think. And then, um, and then uh, funnily enough, we ended up in Ostermere um, through just a series of events that my wife's, one of her be- her best, one of her best friends lived in Wambara. And she ended up driving her home one day because they were just gas bagging so much in the car that she ended up driving her all the way home from Darlinghurst. And she was a mortgage broker. And so she, she knew all the places were, that were for sale in in around the area, and we literally found our house on the first day we were down here, and put a put an offer in, and there we were. We were living in Ostermere. We were locals. Oh my gosh! You must thank that friend now. Holy cow! Oh, it was all like honestly, it was just fully, um, yeah. The stars aligned pretty much. We couldn't have we couldn't have planned it better. Now going back to when you were in Darlinghurst, when you were working at the cellars, were you both? totally stoked working in the cellars or was it just something that paid the bills? Did you both kind of, you know, love wine? Well, yeah, I yeah, liked wine but didn't know a lot about it at that stage, you know. My wife probably knew way more than me. She was much more a hospital than I was. Um, but <laughs> it was um, – yeah, it was it was a it was a bit of a community the the sellers up there like like what we've got at you know, our one now as well. But it was you know every it, we loved working it. It was around the corner. You got to meet all the locals. The staff were great. We talked about wine. We discussed different you know different wines and you know the business. I suppose it looked it gave us an angle into how a retail business was run as well, which you know you get a bit of an upper hand with that as well. Um, yeah, we re- we really enjoyed it. It was a real community. We weren't like, you know, I was probably only doing two or three shifts a week anyway because I had my other job. But that it was it was a kind of another way of 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 uh, meeting people and and yeah, enjoying wine and talking about it. The where the lingo started, I guess. <laughs> Because you all know the wine lingo. Well, we know some of it. I try not to use it too often. <laughs> now, tell me, you moved from this sleepy, well, you moved to a sleepy town from like the hubbub of Darlinghurst. And it was very sleepy back then. It was. I remember the first time you told me about, you know, you were like, oh, can we do this? You know, like it's like stepping back an age. When did the idea of a of the rule sellers come up and you guys purchasing that? Well, that was another um, just stars aligned as well. We were we we wanted to buy a business anyway, and I don't know if you you would remember fireworks on um, on Moore Street. Well, before um, um, Scotty who had it had it, there was a couple of ladies in there, and we we and they, we knew they wanted to get out. We thought, should we put an offer in because we wanted our own business? And then my wife started to work at uh, Thrill Sellers because her friend who was working there. Um, was leaving, and she said, well, "I'll put a good word in for you if you want to, if you want to um, see if you want to get a job. Save you having to commute to Sydney." So she did. She did, and within six months, 
uh, the people who had it, um, they, they had a more liquor stores in Sydney and they weren't down there very often. So they needed someone to look after it. So they asked Jackie to manage it. So she was managing it. I was still commuting to Sydney. Um, and then I started working in there a little bit as well. And before we knew it, they, within six months, eight months of, of um, starting to work there, they they said that they were going to sell, that the owners that had it were going to sell. So we just thought we have to put everything we have into trying getting this liquor store. So we did. That's what we did. We just threw everything into a hat. All, you know, Jackie's mom put her mortgage on, on our house and, yeah, we ended up getting it. And it was very stressful, but, you know, we I, I guess it was kind of good. We were kind of blind going into it, which meant that there was no fear uh, of taking a big mortgage. And we were young, we were 30, so we had all the time in the world, really, as far as we looked at it. And there you go. The rest is history. Wow. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. And like you said, it, it do, it's not just all of your money. It's it's usually somebody's guarantor or somebody's, you know, really putting it on the line for you. And if it goes tits up, you're in big trouble. But thankfully. <laughs> well, we kind of knew that it was a very strong business. You know, like we didn't have to, we didn't have to set it up or establish it. It was already set up and established. So we just had, we were just caretakers. And uh, we just had to make sure that we, we, we could make it better than what it was. Um, and that's what we feel we've done. Now, we, I was just thinking I was just thinking about it earlier on that we're 20 years in October we've, we've, we t- from when we took over the business. Wow, 20 years, that's something to celebrate. You definitely need to have a party of something or something to, to hallmark that occasion. When you think about, um, you know, taking over, did you think I want to change up what this is? I have these dreams for what this could be, or were you just trying to keep it afloat and just, you know, in those early days, think I want to keep the locals? And what was your your thoughts going in? Yeah, so basically, yes, obviously that the the landscape has changed in twenty years, but back then, um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of cheaper booze in there, um, which. When we took over, we can't, what I mean by like cheap spirits, cheap wines, just, you know, not very interesting. So we definitely, um, the, the idea was when we took over was that we were, we would clear this, we would try and clear that out and make it more, a bit more of a premium store from, from, we kind of took the image of from garage sellers and we wanted to recreate it in, in the rule. That's pretty much what we were thinking. Um, so yeah, so, so we did, but like when we took over, um, because the what you do is you you run your stock down when you're selling. So when they were selling to us, they'd run the stock right down. Well, like put put it into perspective, like we could sit anywhere between three and four hundred thousand dollars in stock. And when we took when we bought it, we had eighty thousand, and it was in October. So we had a long, we had a big slog of a couple of months to really fill that shop for Christmas, which was was huge. Those first few months were huge. Um, but yeah, we we, de- we definitely wanted to create a more premium store whilst also being, um, you know, whilst also keeping the locals happy who wanted something a little bit cheaper and who wanted their cream sherry or whatever. So we, we didn't want to alienate and and make the locals feel like that they couldn't come to us and get something that wasn't too expensive. Or So we've always kind of been able to stock both ends of the spectrum, pretty much. If you think about 
two products just to kind of polarize things, something that was like flying off the shelves back in those early days till something that does really well for you now. Can you think of two products that are, you know, totally different? That still sell really well. Um, look, the landscape has changed quite a lot. As you know, the, the drinks industry has really changed quite a bit. But I suppose really we still sell cask wine. It's still popular. Um some of the some of the old ones still sell, like the old your old cream sherry, um, your Royal Reserve Port stuff like that. So there were some of the cheaper products that stole back in the day that still sell now. Um, but yeah, other than that, it has. It, there's been a lot of change, a lot of change, and in a short space of time too. In the last, you know, the last five years, we've really seen. A huge change, and obviously, people are are leaning more towards natural wines. Um, craft beer is massive, so a lot of the old um, domestic beers, like they still sell, but nowhere near as what they used to sell in the old days. So it really has changed. Yeah, I mean, now it's one of the most coveted suburbs in the South Coast where you live and it's so expensive to buy there, as I would know and tried to do, and it didn't work out so well for me. But um, was there any mistakes along the way that you perhaps, you know, wanted to, to implement or do in your store where it didn't work out just simply because the clientele wasn't there? Or is there anything that you can kind of like a story that where you really had to learn the lesson of adapting to the people that you were selling to? We've always tried to stay not ahead of the curve, but with with what's new is coming out. We probably were a little slow at the beginning to get a lot of the naturals in. Um, but then we bit the bullet really quickly and um, and kind of have the dedicated sections now in, in the store to natural wines and and yeah, people generally flock in to see what new stuff is. You know, you got to have new things every week. Um, but yeah, I, I, probably one thing we it wasn't terribly unsuccessful, but it was probably one of those things that mm, probably you know it's. You have to try everything, right? So, and this this is my philosophy from day dot. If you don't have it, you can't sell it. So, I'm not afraid to get random stuff in and give it a go because you just never know who's going to walk through the door and 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 be interested. So, um, yeah. So, bearing that in mind, like probably, I can't really think of anything that's too that we really made mistakes on. But there's probably things that we probably that hung around for a bit too long that eventually move, you know, you eventually move it, move up, it moves out eventually, you know? Um, but the, oh, the Coravin was one thing that we did get in. We tried Coravin for a little bit uh, and we'd end up selling three or four models. Um, but obviously it wasn't the big thing that we thought we were going to, like we were going to be the, the people on the South coast that sold Coravins. Um, and we may do it again. I don't know, um, but it was probably we probably dedicated a bit too much space in the store for that. Um, so that was probably a, kind of a sort of a mistake, I suppose. Mm. I, I like the idea though that you've always not been afraid to kind of say, "Look, this might be," because, like you said, you the rural sellers is really known for being on the forefront for having you know what 
a lot of the other stores don't have in the area. And I think that it's been really smart, like you said, to to challenge your audience as well as also have those staples that people need. And I think that that's what makes a great liquor store. And I think that you guys do that really well. It must be incredibly challenging to stay competitive considering, considering the bigger retailers that have moved into the space. How do you manage to stay afloat when you have, and I don't want to name and shame, but you do have those bigger chains that are around. How do you stay fresh and how do you stay competitive? Well, you know what it is, Shante, is which I think we kind of just run our own race, to be be honest. Don't really, like sometimes we might check to see what some of the bigger guys are doing with pricing. But for most of, the, most of it, I think 90, well, maybe not 90, but at least 80% of the store people, of the products that we sell, people don't price match for. It's about range. It's about, yeah, it's about range pretty much. There's certain products that you just get flatlined on and you can't do anything about it. Um, but I think, I also think because as you know, Bull Eye Pass seems to be like a, a line where people don't cross unless they really have to go somewhere. So um, most people shop local, and that's what it is. And I think people, lo- local people, they like to shop local. They, I think they understand, most of them do anyway, but I think they understand what having local means for your, your town and your community. So I think... I think that's really in our favor too. People, people, they, they want to shop for convenience as well. We're lucky where we are. We've got a front entrance and a back entrance to the car park. They've got the IGA supermarket. So people can really get everything they need in one little space. So I think that convenience factor is definitely in our favor. Yeah, and it's nice to know that people can, you know, not have to get on a bike or in a car wander down the shop, um, you have such a nice range of other gourmet products as well so that if you are going heading over, as we all know, to someone's house and we've got a BYO something, we're like, oh, I can't go empty-handed. I'll grab a bottle of wine. Uh, maybe I'll get some nuts. Maybe I'll get a cheese. But I want to know you've had a great lot of different people that have worked um, for you and worked in, in your store. Yourself included? <laughs> Myself included, yes, my very early days. Uh, and, in fact, the first role I ever had in wine was at uh, the Rural Cellars and I learned a heck of a lot and I still to this day feel very emotional about the place because I was such a rookie and didn't know a thing um, and loved my time stacking shelves. I even liked doing the cold beer fridge. Um, and chin making with the locals. Yeah, yeah, getting to know people, being able to select a bottle for someone and then them come in the next day and tell me it was great. I just got so much out of it. That's such a good rewarding thing when people come back and give you the feedback that yeah they really enjoyed it. it 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 makes it worth it right it does it does but if someone was to walk in what would you, what do you think great customer serv- service looks like to you and what do they get that they don't get in other places in thrill sellers well acknowledgement first of all and you know like so acknowledging a customer as they walk in seeing if they need a hand like w- what are you looking for let me help you find something um Especially some people just don't want to be bothered, but, you know, for for the people who do. And then it's just about a conversation like what we're having now. And you can just have a conversation. You can tell them a story about a wine. You can tell them, you know, and before you know it, you're you're having a conversation and you're, you're, you know, you're becoming friends almost. And that's what important 
customer service is, is acknowledging and treating someone like with respect and, you know, like, like you would an old friend pretty much. Um, I think that's, that's what, what people enjoy and that's what they don't want a cold faced, just uh, aisles where they could just, just select themselves and people stacking shelves. They, they, they want to be engaged with, I think. And, and now, even these days, all the staff, they've all got their customers, their favorite customers, they all come in. And, and that's what it's about. It's about creating a space where people, sometimes even customers come in for a chat and don't buy anything, you know? So that's, that's what it is. It's a place for people to go to have a chat. Yeah. And it, it isn't a place where there's ever been, I think, a hard sell on let me talk you into this wine. Like I, I always find that the the staff couldn't really give a toss whether you bought a three hundred dollar bottle of champagne or a twenty dollar, you know, bottle of Shiraz. They really don't care. They're just kind of like, What are you looking for? Yeah. And this is it. And and you know, and this is what I've always told the staff, and this is the what our ethos is about, is that we don't sell for margin we don't sell because we want to get rid of stuff if we want to get rid of something you put it on special and that's what it is but we really sell with integrity we wouldn't make something up about a wine just because we want to sell it outdoor i don't think that's you really have to sell with integrity you have to sell with things that you like and 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 having the conversation as well going back to the, the earlier points having the conversation with someone is also a way of you being able to figure out what they like so you can actually pick something for them that you know that they're going to enjoy. So, yeah, you have to sell with integrity, I think. That's 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 our, our motto anyway. I love that. Today's, you know, staff, talk about does training play a part? You know, is there a, a development of their kind of knowledge as you go along? Do you have like serious training days or is it a bit more casual? How does that look for you? It's, it's more casual. It's more like – Fortunately, most of the people that come in, come in, and this is the important thing about work, as you know, about working in the industry. And we kind of really do try to select staff that select is probably a bad word, but try and find staff that really want to work. That they really want to get in the wine industry, or they really enjoy wine. We don't want someone who's just going to be sitting on the cash register and not really into wine so most of them come with that already which makes training very easy because and the first thing we do with people is is if they don't don't know a lot about wine we'll we'll, we'll get them a wine to drink and then just that's the wine that you can choose for people because you enjoy it and then we get we you know we get them to talk about that wine and then they before they know it they're in the lingo with us and the other casual thing we do as well is we try wine a lot so there's, there's a lot of always sample bottles around. There's any time there's a um, a sales rep coming in to show off their wines, all the staff that are there all get in and they they might not know anything. They might not have tried a suave before in their life, and so then the conversation starts. And once you start the conversation, it just ignites in the brain, and and they start they start learning before you know it. within a few months they've they've got a lot of knowledge they didn't know they had you know yeah and I, and I, I like that approach because like i said i think it opens up the range of who you have working for you really really diverse i, I can't imagine you ever having a full on wine wanker working in your store though rory i think anybody that was too too nerdy might get the boot that's right you can't you can't 
bore people to death with wine. It's And wine's about fun, right? And that's what it is. It's about – we don't – we like we want my talk uh, with wine amongst ourselves, but we don't go to the next level. We just keep it on a on a, a good level where we're not waffling on about the wine and the hue and the blah blah blah. So it's just more about and this is the thing because most people who dr- most people who drink wine are just drinking to enjoy it. They're not drinking to dissect it. They're not drinking for any other reason but enjoyment. And and we have to take that fun back into wine and take the seriousness out. Um, and not just wine for for all all drinks really. I mean, we do you know we do try and try everything that comes in the store, so we we know we're stocking stuff that's good quality. Um, and 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 there is there is that as well. We have a kind of a rule like for most things that we don't really stock unless we've tried it. I don't buy wine off a sheet of paper. It has to be tried. We have to be able to talk about it. So I think that's an important thing as well. These days, with a big, large staffing team that you have, what keeps you engrossed? What do you? What's the best part about the role that you have now? Well, because I've kind of yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I've kind of positioned myself that I don't have to be there all the time, and that's the kind of aim is to have a bit more me time as well. But what I still really enjoy is. I still like. I just enjoy the day to day stuff, the the banter, um, the customers. But every now and again, you just sometimes will try a wine that will just blow your socks off, and those kind of things. You know, as we we also say, another thing that we that we, we, we things have to be compelling. Sometimes wine has to be compelling before we buy it, and sometimes you can get a bit bored with some things. But I had a really good wine last week, and that was kind of it. Just stirs you up again. That you like, you know, because quite often, you know, as you, you'd be the same when you drink a lot of wine. There's a little bit of a meh every now and again. But sometimes this one will come along and slap you around the face and go, "Wow, that's what it's about." In terms of the the other retailers around you, what kind of um, relationship do you have with with other independent re- retailers? And is there much of a community spirit amongst the other shop shops around? Yes, huge, which has been great. And what's really f- um, cemented that was when um, the plaza was was um, there was a big plaza. I don't know if you remember that, but the the, the plaza. Across the road, they had big developers in there, and they were going to like pretty much turn Thoreau into a building site and knock down the um, knock down the coals there, build an underground car park, and there was going to be eighty seven units, and yeah, it was going to be a nightmare. So we 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 fought against this as a community and as a business community as well. So that really cemented that whole you know all the businesses in the area, every, everybody. Everybody, it's a small town. Everybody knows each other. Um, all the business owners know each other, and yeah, I think there's a very good like when, when we want to get stuff done for our business, we can come together. If you know, if you if you want to put solar on your roof, you come together and you, everybody talks about who's the who's the best solar people around or whatever. So we, we there's definitely a, a good community, business community, and and again, we all like during COVID, everyone was helping each other out. People were shopping local. Businesses were shopping other businesses. Everything was kind of kept together to keep everyone afloat. I think that's really important in a small community that you 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 treat people like it's like the old days. It's not like corporations or 
big businesses that you know doesn't matter if one of them goes under but the, if 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 a business goes under in 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 a small community it's it's devastating right it's you know you got you got you know families who are losing an income you've got um staff losing a job so yeah it's important to it's important to have a good business community yeah i think i totally agree now Thrill Sellers is located across the street from Anita's Theatre, which is an amazing theatre that has had some wonderful stars in it along the way. Do you have any uh, stories about anybody that's popped in that's perhaps performed at Anita's? Um, no. You don't? <laughs> I, I try to think if there was a, like, because a few of them, a few of them, um, I was like, I wonder if they'll walk in the store. Um, but no, you never, you never see them because they'll send someone across to to get um, to get whatever they need. Um, yeah, so we really haven't had the famous people walking into the shop, really. Rory, that means I'm going to have to tell my story then. <laughs> well, there's lot, oh, you had one. There was, there's lots of famous people who live in the town, put it that way, but and the, uh, who do come and shop with us. But no, I don't think any of the performers at Anita's have. But you tell me your story. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but um, I remember when John, John Butler Trio came and were performing and sent over a request for uh, 12 bottles of wine, predominantly red, um, and you gave that. To me, is a job, but I was like frothing because I just love John Butler Trio. Oh, heaven. And so I was going to see them that night. And so I was just, you know, they had a, a certain budget, but I wanted to make sure they had all these interesting wines. So I was getting like some Italians. You were really going through the store. Yeah, I really did go and got the best of the best. And I was just so thrilled that I could say that I picked out John Butler's wines for tonight. Anyway. I went and had uh, Thai at Old Siam before the concert. And, of course, I walk in there and who's sitting down next to my table but the entire band. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're sitting next to me. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go buy them a beer. They probably don't want to drink before the the show, but I'm just going to go and I'm going to buy them a beer. And I bought them the El Bulli. I can't even remember the name anymore. But um, oh, the 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 one that won the best spear in the world, that yes, one. Yes, that one. <laughs> I can't. It's gone for me. And I thought, you know, it's just a long neck, and they can kind of share it. And I popped it on their table, and I had a good old like ten minute conversation with them. Told them I'd selected their wines. They were so kind to me. They were like, "Are you coming to the show? We'll get you tickets if not." And I had this great conversation, and then. When they were playing, the bass player like saw me in the crowd and like pointed to me, and I was like, "That's it." That's it. That's all over for me. <laughs> <laughs> Your starstruck moment. That's e- excellent. I love it. <laughs> I will be forever grateful for that moment. And I just thought it was just the bee's knees. <laughs> That's so good. That's awesome. Uh, I think that the Rule Sellers means so much to the, to the area. It is such a beautiful store where you can just get everything. But in the day and age of um, big chains and people taking over, it is so important that we look after our independent retailers. And I think you guys do an amazing job for all of the South Coast. If you haven't visited, you need to jump in there, grab some drinks, ask the advice from the people working in the store because they certainly know their store better than you do. And uh, keep on keeping on because I just love what you do. Thank you. Yeah, it is good because it's, it, you know, another point on that as well is, is like with independent stores, if someone comes in and says, oh, I really like this wine or I really like this beer, we can actually go, you know what, we can investigate and we'll get that for you. 
Whereas some of the other big stores, they don't you don't have that option. So there's it's you know it's like it's like an old school bookshop. You know that's that's the way we kind of look at it. Like it's you can get you can get rare and and unique stuff that you can't always get at the bigger retailers because they've got their range and that's that's it. You know that gets sent down from head office and that, that's what they range. So we, we we've got a bit of a, a little unique kind of platform, I suppose, that we can we can do whatever we want. Yeah, you definitely do, and and like I said, it's um it's a beacon of hope. Uh, Thrule is as trendy as it gets these days, but you guys certainly um, led that way. So well done, <laughs> Rory. I want to know a bit about your palate. If you only had three drinks for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? Okay, I was been thinking about this. Um, well, I know there's it's going to be the first one's going to be Pinot Noir. It'd have to be one of them. Um. And then, and then I've been tossing up between Chardonnay and Riesling. So there's there's a I, I can't I don't know where I'll go with that. I can't really make up my mind. And then depends on the day. And the third thing definitely is whiskey. I love my whiskey. <laughs> I thought you might say whiskey now. All right, I won't pinpoint you down to one brand whiskey. But where are we going in the world if we're going whiskey? Are we Japan, Tassie, are we Ireland, Middletons? Where are we at? Yes. So I've probably there's a very much a time and a place for a peaty scotch, and I'm I'm tend, tending to move away from heavily peated stuff. So look, there's a bit of a whiskey revolution going on in Australia at the moment, anyway. Um, mm. And I've tried some amazing Australian whiskies. Um, so I'm going to, to not name a country, but I'm just going to probably uh, go with the style more than anything else. And that is probably that more less peaty and more aromatic style of, um, of whiskey. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably – so from there you can go anywhere. You, you, can, you can still go to Scotland. You can go to Ireland. You can go to, to – you can go to – Tasmania, you can go to New Zealand, you can go to, you can go anywhere. Um, and that's probably what I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the style. I love that. It is fence sitting, but I have to say, you know, when it comes down to whiskey, you're right. There's just, it depends on the mood and there's so many good ones at the moment. And the fact that you've lived in Australia for longer than, than you've been in Ireland makes me proud that you're like, you know, still flying the flag for, for Tassie and, and for Australian whiskey. So that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, they've really, you know, they've really like even the, 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 there's a, there's even some coming out of Sydney that have been amazing, you know, like, um, and they've won a lot of awards. The whiskey awards were last week, I think, and, and they picked up quite a few awards. So, yeah, there's so many places to go with with good whiskey. So that's it's it's encouraging. Well, three excellent drinks, and it makes sense why we get along so well because Pinot Noir, Riesling, Chardonnay, and whiskey are all things I can get on board with any day of the week. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Rory, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for my first job in wine, but also for the amazing job that you do down at Thrill Cellars. Uh, it's been such a pleasure, and I hope our paths cross soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great. <laughs> Cheers to you, Rory. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Stay tuned for more stories from the world of wine and drinks. Listen in every Thursday on your podcast app. 
follow us on Instagram at overaglasspod and contact us at overaglass at deepintheweeds.com.au.